we have prepared a working definition for what intentional discipleship is, right? Have you memorized this? No. Okay, at least you're honest. What is intentional discipleship? Let's read. Okay. Again, again, again. All together. What is intentional discipleship? It's a working definition. It embodies everything that we would like everyone, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to be doing. Proactive. Helping. Teaching. Modeling. Obeying all that God commands. Why do we need to obey all? Because that's the target. Remember the M's, the M&M's? What's the mission? Go make disciples. What is the, the method? Discipleship. What is the measure? Obey all. Who is the model? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ obeyed all. So why shouldn't we at least have the desire, the strive to obey all that God commands us? All right? So we continue with our series on Genesis. Last week, the past two weeks, we studied the life of Isaac in Genesis 25 and 26. And I gave you an acrostic. Prime time. Practice responding in meekness every time. The story of Isaac from Genesis 26 was the Philistines covered up the wells that his father Abraham dug. But they only covered them after Abraham had died. So he dug a well. Number one, he was blessed by God and he became the envy of the Philistines. So he was told, leave. Get away from us. You are too powerful. That's why we said, you know, when you're blessed of God, sometimes people look at you as a threat. Sometimes they look at you as a threat. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You do your job with excellence. All right? You're in the workplace. And then your co-worker will go to you. Hey, you're making me look bad. I said, why? You finish your work on time. You come on time. You live on time. You're making me look bad. You shouldn't do that. Have you encountered that? Yeah. I'm sure you have. Maybe it's not known to you because they talk about you. Hey, look at that guy. I think he's trying to move up. Why? Because he comes in on time. He does his work on time. He, he doesn't cut corners. Sometimes when you're blessed of God, people around you will envy you. So what did he do? Does he have a right to dig the well? Yes. But when he was told, go away, what did he do? Go away. He dug a well. There was water. What did the people do? Hey, that's our well. Get out. Okay. He dug another well. He dug another well. What happened? That's our water too. Go away. He dug a third well. But this time, there was no conflict. The third well, 
it had no conflict. So if you were here last week, those names of those well, those wells represent something. The third well, there was no dispute. So he named it a different name. And then King Abimelech and his commander came to Isaac. And Isaac said, Now what do you want? You hate me. You sent me away. Now what do you want? Now if you were the guy, you're sent away, you follow. Okay. You don't want me here over there. Okay. You don't want me here over there. Okay. And then you come to me with your commander-in-chief. What would your first instinct be? Oh, this guy is going to make trouble. Right? But what happened? King Abimelech made peace with Isaac. They entered into an oath. And why did King Abimelech enter into an oath with Isaac? He said, we have observed with their eyes. We have observed that you are blessed of God. That's why we, we encourage you to obey all. So that when the people around us see that we are committed to following Christ, Lord willing, they will also see you are blessed of God. There is something different about you. But even if Isaac obeyed, he encountered grief because his own son married outside their people. This was not the case. This was not the example that Abraham gave to Isaac. Isaac, uh, Abraham sent one of his men to look for a wife for Isaac and from their own people. And he brought back Rebekah, the wife of Isaac. But Esau decided to marry outside and it caused them great grief. This morning, my message for all of us is entitled, Respond with Integrity. If you can respond in faith, if you can respond in meekness, you and I should also respond with integrity. Can you see that picture? Bobby, can you turn off the light so that they can see the picture? What can you see over there? And Is that clearer now? All right. These clay pots, they're made from soft clay, right? And then what do you need to do? You have to put them in the fire. You have to put them in the kiln. Right now, some of them are finished perfectly, some of them, however, are not. Some of them have what is called like hairline cracks. Okay, now look at this uh, short uh, movie that I got uh, from YouTube. All right, about what they do when there is some damage. I just turned off the audio because we don't need it. You see the crack? What are they doing?
Thank you, Bobby. You can turn on the lights again. What happened? What happened? What was the condition of the clay pot? There was a crack, right? There was damage. So what did they do? They put glue. They put wax. They, they fixed the outside. They fixed the inside. So, if you do not know, you're buying that pot. And you're buying it for a particular price. But what is the truth? It's damaged. It's defective. They covered it up. Right? In the Bible, one way for them to test if the pot that they were buying is perfect, no defect, was to bring the pot and put a light in the pot, a candle or a lamp. Why? Because the lamp would show if there is a crack. Get it? If it was perfect, you turn the pot around, you will not see any light. But if the pot was defective, when you put the light and you examine the pot, you will see some illumination because the way that they mended the pot, not epoxy, but wax. So from the outside, you can see, oh, it looks perfect. Right? But on the inside, when you put the light and you examine it again, oh, there is light coming out. This is defective. The one who is selling you that pot, who claims that the pot is perfect, is deceiving you. He is not or she is not a person of integrity. Now, what is integrity? From Webster's Dictionary, moral soundness, honesty, freedom from corrupting influence or motive, uprightness, used especially with reference to the fulfillment of contracts, the discharge of agencies, trusts, and the like. The state of quality of being entire or complete wholeness, unbroken state as the integrity of an empire or territory. It's unimpaired, unadulterated, genuine state, entire correspondence with an original condition of purity. So it is 100% perfect. All right? Now, from the Bible dictionary, we read this. Simplicity, soundness, completeness, also upright and perfect. The word integrity itself does not occur in the New Testament, but its equivalents may be seen in sincerity, truth, pureness of heart, a single eye. In the above sense of simplicity of intention, it is equivalent to being honest, sincere, genuine, and is fundamental to true character. You know, one time I opened the mail, and lo and behold, I got a letter from Costco. Inside, there's a $20 gift card with a letter. It said, I, I, I forget if it was addressed to my name. Let's just say, Dear Patron, on such and such a date, 
you bought an article of clothing. All right? And it was advertised as 100%, let's say, Colombian cotton. We later on discovered that that was not true. So you are free to return the item. And whether or not you return the item, here's a $20 gift card for our error. Are these people, or was that action an action of integrity? Yes. They misrepresented the article and they hone up to their mistake. Now, before we jump to Genesis 27, a little background. In Genesis 25 verse 23, Isaac and Rebekah had twins. One was, who's the other one? Jacob, who's the other one? Esau. Who was the one that is born first? Esau. And then you have Jacob grasping the ankles of Esau because he wanted to be born first. That's why he says, you, there are two nations in your womb. Two people shall separate it from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. So this is the background. Jacob means supplanter. He manipulates things. He manipulates people. He wanted to manipulate even his birth because in their patriarchal society, the one who is born first is the heir. You get it? So who is the heir? Who is the firstborn? Esau. But Jacob was trying to pull his leg so that he could be born first. Now, here's another problem. Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, meaning to say he was a hunter. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Do you see the recipe for disaster? The father has one favorite, the mother has another. I have one favorite eldest boy, I have one favorite second son, and I have one favorite daughter. You get it? They are all my favorites. First eldest boy, se favorite second boy, and favorite daughter. Ask them. Ask Sarah if just because she's the only daughter that she gets free pass. No. Now. No. She wished she would, but no. All right. Now you see here in Genesis 25 verse 8, you see a recipe. Now parents, love, discipline, train your children equally. Don't play favorites. In the book of Ephesians, it says fathers, predominantly fathers, because patriarchal society, but it really means parents. Parents do not embitter your children. And one way to embitter your children is to play favorites. Why don't you be like your brother? Why don't you be like your sister? You will break their hearts. So don't do it. Don't play favorites. All right? Now, in Genesis 25, 34. Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup. He ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. When Pastor Reggie preached that message, what? Step away from the bowl. Why? 
The scenario here is Esau was out hunting. Jacob was a homebody. Esau comes in and he sees that Jacob has prepared food. And overactingly, he says, oh, I'm going to die. You give me some of that lentil soup and bread. I'm so famished. I'm about to die. Let me eat. Jacob, supplanter, no problem. I will give you food for so long as you swear to me your birthright. I will give you food so long as you turn your inheritance over to me. Who has the right? Esau. What's the bargain? I will feed you a bowl of soup, but you have to turn over your birthright to me. So what does the Bible say? Esau despised his birthright. He gave it up for a bowl of soup. All right? Now, we begin Genesis 27. Now it came about when Isaac was old, his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold, I am now old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. So Isaac is about to die. And he's calling whom? His favorite. The one that he loved. Esau. Why? Isaac likes to eat game. Isaac likes to eat meat. So who did he call? Esau. And who is he going to bless? Esau. Why? Because Esau is the firstborn. He is the rightful heir of everything. Yes? Now he's old. His eyes are dim. Maybe his, maybe his ear is hard of hearing. So he calls Esau. Come. I'm about to die. I don't know when I will take my last breath. This is what you must do. Go. Buy, you know, kill some game, hunt them, prepare the food that I like to eat, and then I will bless you. All right? Before we continue. Let us ask the blessing of the Lord. God Almighty, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We pray, Lord God, I pray that we will all listen to what you have to teach us about integrity this morning and how we can avoid it and the danger and the trouble it brings if we do not live our lives out in integrity. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. May your Holy Spirit bring interpretation to our hearts, understanding to our minds, and obedience to our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The patriarch calls his firstborn the rightful heir of everything. Gives him specific instructions, prerequisite to the blessing. Now, Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau saying, Bring me some game, prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. What was Rebecca doing? She was eavesdropping on the conversation between Isaac and Esau. But whom does he love? Jacob. So she calls Jacob. 
I heard your father talking to your elder brother. He is about to give the blessing. But before he gives the blessing, he wants this his special kind of food. Okay? Now, what is the mother doing? Now, therefore, my son, listen as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice kids from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. What was the plan of, Rebe of Rebecca? Do exactly the same as your father commanded to your brother Esau. But we're going to substitute you. Right? To undercut Esau. To manipulate the situation. Why? This is the one that I love. Rebecca loved Jacob. Right? Now. Verse 11. Jacob answered to his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight. And I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Did Jacob use his mind? Yes. How, how can it... In Tagalog, balbon, di ba? Hairy. Is, Jacob was using his mind. Mom, my brother is hairy. I don't have too much hair. He will know that we're tricking him. And I will be to him as a deceiver. Right? And look, and I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Did Jacob understand the possible consequences if he listened to his mom? Yes. Young people, if your parents are telling you something to do something that is not in the will of God, you have a choice. Valentine's Day, right? Who do you love more? Do you love Jesus Christ more than your parent or your office mate or your friend who is doing or telling you to do something that violates the word of God? You have a choice. Be a person of integrity or perhaps you might be a person of deceit. Jacob understood. I might be to my father as a deceiver. And instead of getting a blessing, I will instead get a curse. Now, if you are a godly parent, you are right, my son. Thank you for bringing that up to me. I made a mistake. Right? Hopefully. But his mother said to him, your curse be upon me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. What did the mother say? 
Yan. In Tagalog, in Filipino, kumbala. In English, I got your back. I will take the curse that will fall upon you. I will take it upon myself. You don't even know what the curse is going to be. Right? The Bible says, train up a child while he is young so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. What kind of training is this? You're teaching the child to deceive people. Not only people, but his own father. And the son is already, you know, hey, he's not going to like this. I'm going to be as a deceiver to him. I got you. Just do it. So what happened? So eventually he followed. Verse 14. He went out and did as his mother told him to do. Then Rebekah took some of the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Then she put the skins of the kids, not kids, children. Huh? A small goat is a kid. So he, he was told to get two kids. Okay? These are not little children and they skin them alive. These are the little goats that they skinned, they slaughtered and cooked and they got the, okay? and they got the, the skin and put them over there. Why? Because the skin of the goat is hairy. All right? And she put them on the younger son. So what, what deception was going on? The clothes of Esau. How do we deal with the, the fair skin? Let's get the skin from the goat. Let's put it on uh, Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids on his hand and smooth part of his neck. He also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. So everything to fulfill the plan of Rebecca was in place. She cooked the food. She had Esau's clothes. The goat, she has probably even Esau's smell. Right? Then he came to his father with the food, with the clothes, with the goat skin on his arms. Then he came to his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. How did Jacob introduce himself? Did he lie? Is he a person of integrity? No. He asked his mom, hey, dad might say I'm a deceiver. I got you covered. He went anyway. And Rebecca did everything. Remember, Isaac is weak in his eyes already. Right? He said he doesn't know when he's going to die. He might be just die after eating that. We don't know. Right? So he goes. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have returned so quickly? He didn't go to the nearest Walmart. You have any lamb there? I wonder I'm going to make lambs too. He had to go to the countryside. To hunt game. That's why his father Isaac told him, bring your gear. Bring your quiver. The quiver is where you put the arrows. Bring your bow. Hunt me some game. And cook the food that I like to eat. So that I may bless you before I die. Right? So, 
common sense. It's going to take a couple of hours. Right? I guess Isaac had smelled something. Something amiss. He said, how is it that you have returned so quickly? My son. And what did Jacob reply? Because the Lord your God. He didn't say the Lord our God. He said the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Don't we act that way sometimes? That when we get ourselves into trouble, whose fault is it? Your God. Many times we don't like to say our God because we know that we have done wrong. But what a striking statement. Because the Lord, your God, caused it to happen. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Is Isaac sensing something? You came back too quickly. My eyes are weak. Let me feel you. Let me touch you. If you really are my son, Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. Are you Esau? Yes, Dad. You don't sound like Esau. I'm Esau, Dad. <laughs> Just because you're blind doesn't mean you don't know, you know, to hear the voice of your son. So come close that I may feel you because he, he can't read. So he's also wondering. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the, the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy. Why were his hands hairy? Because of the goat skin. So he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son, Esau? And he said, I am. How many times, how many times in this scenario was Jacob given the opportunities to recover, to come clean, to be a man of integrity? Number one, who are you, my son? What did he say? Esau. How is it that you have so quickly come, my son? Your God made it happen. Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Isaac asked him, are you Esau? Yes. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands is the hands of Esau. You can come clean at any time, right? Uh, Dad, sorry, this is really Jacob. I really love the blessing, but because Esau is the eldest, I know it's going to him. So I tried to trick you. Right? 
most direct. Are you really my son, Esau? What did he say? I am. Oh, you can pretend all you want. But God knows what is really inside our hearts. You can attend all the Bible studies, all the worship services, be in all kinds of ministries. But God sees and knows your heart. So it continues. After giving at least five opportunities to recover, five opportunities to come clean, repent, and confess. Isaac said, so he said, bring it to me and I will eat of my son's game that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate and he also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please, my son, come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him and when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the abundance of the grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. What happened? Isaac was deceived completely. And he gave that blessing to the son who did not deserve it. He gave it to Jacob. Notice the last line. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Is not that the same promise that God gave to the patriarch Abraham? You will be a great nation and all the nations will be blessed. And those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. That is the blessing that is passed on. But whom did it go to? It went to Jacob. It went to the supplanter. It did not go to Esau, the rightful heir of that blessing, the rightful heir of that inheritance. Now the blessing has been given and then what happens? Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father and said, Let my father arise and eat of, this, of his son's game that you may bless me. And then Isaac his father said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed, was the blessing. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even also, O my father. And he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. He trembled. The old man Isaac trembled violently. Have you ever been angry at someone or something that you really shake with every part of your body? 
Why do you think Isaac was angry? That he shook violently. Because, look, his own, your brother came deceitfully. He was deceived. He was strict. And he was very angry. And look at Esau's response. He cried out exceedingly with a great and bitter cry. And he was asking his father, even at that time, to bless him. But who was already blessed? Jacob. Then he said, He is not right. Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. But did he take his birthright? Or did he give it away? He gave it away. So it's not an accurate statement as well. Because exchange the bowl of soup for your birthright. I take the bowl of soup. So he didn't take it because he also gave it away. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said to his father Isaac, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master and his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with the grain and the new wine, I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Once they have given the blessing, you can take it back. If you study the rules of the, P, the Medes and the Persians, as we will encounter in the Bible, once the king makes the decree, he cannot reverse the decree. Once you give the blessing, you cannot retract it. So Esau is just asking, is there any other blessing that you have reserved for me since my younger brother deceived you and you gave the blessing to him that is supposed to be mine? Well, let's see. Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling. And away from the dew of the heaven from above. This is exactly the reverse. Did you notice? The reverse of the blessing that went to Jacob. What's left? Nothing. Because he already gave the blessing away. By your sword you shall live and your brother shall and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. Remember I showed you earlier in Genesis 25, the older will serve the, the younger. It came by deception. Isaac was deceived. The blessing was given away. I have no more to give you. From this day on, you will live by the sword until the time comes that you will break the yoke of your brother. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. I'm just going to wait until dad dies. And after the days of mourning have come to pass, I'm going after you. 
I have only one intent, and I am going to kill you. Why? You stole my blessing. You deceived our father, and you stole the blessing. Now remember, who initiated all of this? The mother, right? Now when the words of the elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, the mother, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran to my brother Laban and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Then I shall send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of both of you in one day? Who caused the problem? Rebecca. Now she has another solution. Go to my brother Laban. Right? Why should I mourn for the two sons? Why? Why mourn? One is going to depart, going there, right? The other one is going outside the family also to try to track him down, right? The father is about to die. The husband of Rebecca, the father of the two. Now you lose Jacob because you're going to send him away. You're going to lose Esau. Why? Because he's going to look after the brother who deceived him. For what purpose? To kill him. You see? You see the possible consequences of a deception? You see the possible consequences when you're not 100% honest? We try to deceive, we try to manipulate people and circumstances to get our way. But look at what the great missionary, Hudson Taylor, said. God's work, done God's way, will never lack God's supply. But many times we don't want to wait. Many times we don't want the answer. Many times, we just don't trust God, period. God, I have to do it my way because you're slow. I don't like your answer, whatever it is. God, you said I should wait for my knight in shining armor. I am 40 plus. I'm still a single woman. I want to experience the joy of marriage, etc., etc. God, anyone will do. <laughs> Dangerous. God's will, God's way will never lack God's supply. That's why we keep on reminding you that true blessings come from God. They come from God. And then you believe it by faith. And if you really believe the words of God by faith, you will act on it. God, I want to get married. Okay, what are the qualifications? Is there in the Bible? In the book of Proverbs? Okay, that's as far as the woman is concerned. So the man is complaining. I still do not see my God's best. What's the problem? You're not grooming yourself to be God's best for the God's best. You have to do your part. Blessings, true, genuine blessings come from God. You accept them by faith. 
and then since you really believe, you obey. That is the true blessing. As a matter of fact, all of this, the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man, King Solomon writes, the conclusion, after he has experienced everything, he says, the conclusion, when all has been heard is, fear God, keep His commandments. Why? Because this applies to every person. And in verse 14, for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. We must act, we must respond in integrity. Why? Because even if people do not know, guess what? God knows. He knows everything. And everything will be brought into judgment. That's why the wisest man on earth, the wisest man who ever lived says, fear God, and keep his commandments. Does this apply only to believers? What did he say? This applies to every person. Now we also have people in the Bible who responded in integrity. In Genesis chapter 20, King Abimelech, he said, Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. When Abraham went there and then he told Sarah, tell them I'm your sister because you are beautiful. If they know that you are my wife, they will kill me to take you. So King Abimelech, in his conversation with God, he told God, God in the integrity of my heart, I have done this. Why? Because they told me that Sarah is not his wife. I only acted on the information that they told me. So the integrity of my heart, I have done this. So what did God do? God protected King Abimelech. Return the woman. Job, in Job chapter 2 verse 9, when God took aloud Everything to happen to Job. He lost his family. He lost all of his possessions. The only people that were left to him was his wife and his three friends. And what did his wife tell him? He's good. Oh, Valentine's Day, tamang-tama. Very appropriate for Valentine's Day. Job chapter 2, verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. What a Valentine's gift. Why? Job was a righteous man. He was obeying. And all of a sudden, God tells Satan, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? Satan says, Oh, he only loves you because he is blessed. Oh, you test him. And what happens? In one day, he lost everything. And his friends. If these are your friends, you don't need enemies. If these three, three friends and that wife, oh, you don't need enemies. You have an oversupply. Imagine your wife, curse God and die. Why are you still holding on to your integrity? You have walked in righteousness and God allows this to happen? You should curse God. Maybe sometimes things happen to us and we think that way. God, I'm already obeying you. Why are you allowing these things to happen? What did Job say? 
Naked I came to the earth. Naked I will leave. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Right, Adrian? Right, Doki? God can give. God can take away. But we will still worship the Lord. Amen? David, he said, so he shepherded them, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. You see, my friends, integrity here begins in the heart. But it also means that we should be a person of integrity in our actions. We cannot just keep on saying that we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until the people around us see that we are people of integrity, that we fear and love God above all things, it doesn't, doesn't account for much. Proverbs 22, He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Jacob was given several times to stand up and be a man, a person of integrity. Are you really my son? You're hairy, but your voice is different. Are you really my son? Yes, yes, because he wanted the blessing more than he wanted to please God. He loved the blessing more than he loved God. If you're concealing anything, my friend, know that you need to confess it. Why? Because the warning of Jesus in Luke 2. But there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in the inner rooms shall be proclaimed upon the rooftops. My friend, if we are not people of integrity, one day or another, we will be found out. Our sin will be shouted from the rooftops. That's why you and I need to be a people, a person, a nation of integrity. That's why the light, the light that you bring into that clay pot, the light that you bring into that clay pot is the light of God's word. Your word is a light to my path, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The standard of integrity that we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should be based on the word of God. Use the word of God to shine on your life so that God may be able to see, so that we may be able to see for ourselves, oh God, I need to repent in this area. God, I need to repent in that area because your light has shown the cracks in my armor. I need to repent. And what is integrity? God is integrity. He does not merely act with integrity. Integrity is his character. The biblical virtue of integrity points to a consistency between what is inside and what is outside, between belief and behavior, our words and our ways, our attitudes and our actions, our values, and our practice. We must not only talk the talk, we must walk the walk. Then we might be able to say, 
that we are people of integrity. When God tells you something, when God shows you something, how do you respond? When you are in your discipleship group and your leader or one of your members says, how is your marriage? And you want to cover up or say, we're okay. It's tax filing time. Are you going to, do, to declare that side income that you made? Are you a person of integrity? When you, as a woman, refuse to have intimate relationships with your boyfriend, with whom you already have a child, because you're waiting for some legal paperwork to be finalized, is that not an act of integrity? When you choose to resign from your good-paying high position job because your boss is asking you to sign off on something that may be illegal. Is that not an act of integrity? When you refuse an offer from the owner of the financial company that is about to go bankrupt, when the owner offers you, just keep quiet. I will pay your investment. Just don't rally the people. Is that not an act of integrity? When God says that you and I are sinners separated from Him and you acknowledge before God, yes, God, I have sinned against you and I have separated from you. Is that not an act of integrity? And when God says that the only way for you to be able to be reconciled to me and to spend the rest of eternity with me in heaven is for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Is that not integrity? Because it is only Jesus Christ who carried your sin and my sin when he died on the cross. And when he rose to new life, you're part of that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Can you, with all honesty, with all integrity of heart, really stand up and say, I am a sinner, but I have received salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ? Or on the other hand, you can say, I have come to faith in Christ but I am committing to follow him as best I can. It is your choice. Jacob had a choice and he chose poorly. And you will see as you continue with us, as we continue to study Genesis, what he went through because of his choice. May I encourage all of us this morning, therefore, that when you and I are faced with a choice, that we should respond in the integrity of our heart and the integrity of our actions. Let's pray. God Almighty, I thank you that nothing escapes you. 
that you know everything. Yet you are still gracious to us. And that grace, Lord God, is completely manifest in the person and sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We can have right relationship with you, O God, but it is only through accepting Jesus Christ for what he has already done for us. Will you move in our midst? Will you move in our hearts, Lord God, that if there's anyone here this morning who yet doesn't know you, would come to faith. Take that step of faith and come into personal relationship with you. And God, those among us who have already trusted your son Jesus, if there's any area in our lives, Lord God, that we need to make right, that we really need to be honest in our assessment and in our actions. Will you so lovingly and gently reveal that to us, Lord? Use people. Use our people around us here at church. Use our co-workers, whoever you may bring to our lives, Lord God, that we may have the opportunity, when confronted, to just come clean, to confess, to repent, to change our mind and our actions. And for all of these things, Lord, for your word and for our time together, we give you praise and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.